Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. Today's episode is related to preventing falls, and it's specifically about 10 types of medication that may be associated with a higher fall risk. So these are medications that... If you've been concerned about falls for yourself or for an older parent, these are the medications that you want to make sure to have reviewed by a physician and kind of reassessed your need for the medications, the dosing of the medications, and whether there are any alternatives available. And I've just written an article about this on the Better Health While Aging website, so I'll post a link to that in the show notes. But I wanted to do a podcast episode on this as well since I know that many of you want to be proactive, not only about preventing falls, which can be catastrophic for older people, but also many of you want to be proactive and careful and thoughtful about the use of medications. And that's because, as you may know, appropriate and optimal use of medications is a huge area of concern for us in geriatrics. Basically, lots and lots of research has confirmed that what we sometimes call inappropriate prescribing of medications is common in older adults, and this does cause harm to seniors. Now, what do I mean by inappropriate prescribing? This is a term that's actually used in scholarly papers, and I'll spare you the details because they can get quite involved. But basically, a very common form of inappropriate prescribing is the prescribing of drugs in which the risks and burdens of the medication outweigh the likely benefits of taking the medication. So if you take a medication, normally the likely benefit should be greater than the risk, but in many cases, older people are taking medications where there's not great evidence that they're likely to benefit and there may be risks. And often these risks have not really been properly understood by an older person or by their family. And also often people haven't been offered safer alternatives because for many common medical condition, there are non-drug treatments or drug treatments that may be less risky in older adults than what an older person is taking. And often these uh, safer alternatives are proven to be effective. Since many commonly used medications increase fall risk, and it's quite possible that these medications have been inappropriately prescribed, medication review and adjustment is a mainstay of fall prevention. And it's actually one of the four things that the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, recommends that older adults do to prevent falls. In case you're wondering, the other three things the CDC is recommending that older adults do include beginning an exercise program to improve length, strength, and balance. And that's something that we talked about on the podcast in episode five, when we talked about the Otago exercise program, a proven physical therapy program to do this. And then the CDC also recommends that older adults get annual eye checkups 
um, updating the glasses, and then making the home safer. So in this podcast episode, we are going to focus on the CDC's recommendation to older adults that you ask your doctor or pharmacist to review your medications with an eye towards identifying and reassessing those that may be associated with higher fall risk. And you can certainly tell your doctor that you're concerned about falls and request a medication review. And it is quite possible that the doctor will, in fact, identify all the medications that increase fall risk and take appropriate action. And in fact, the CDC has a handy online resource center. Their online uh, resources for fall prevention include a section for clinicians and then another section for the public. So in the section for clinicians, which is freely available to anyone who wants to look at it, They do have a PDF on medication management, and it tells doctors which medications to look out for and what to do about them. So the resources for doctors are available. But as we know, many doctors are busy. Some may not be entirely up to date on these resources. And so in this episode, I'm going to explain to you which medications doctors are supposed to review and reassess as part of this fall prevention approach based on the CDC's resources and also the guidelines from the American Geriatric Society, I've come up with a list of 10 types of medication that should be reviewed. And so we'll go over these in this podcast episode. And that way you can get a head start in identifying which medications you or your older parent, if you're helping an older person, which medications you might be taking that would be especially worthwhile to discuss with the doctor. And then in the last part of the episode, I'll share some tips on what you can do if you realize that you or your older relative are taking some of these medications. We'll cover what kinds of questions are especially useful to ask the doctor. And I'll also tell you a little bit more about what the CDC recommends that clinicians do regarding these potentially fall increasing medications. So before I go into the actual 10 types of medication, Let me just explain the broader categories of these medications. Generally, medications associated with fall risk fall into one of two broad categories. The first is medications that affect the brain, and health professionals often refer to these drugs as psychoactives because they have effects on the brain or the brain chemistry. So these affect brain function, and many of them cause at least a little sedation or drowsiness. If you have been following the podcast or the website, you probably won't be surprised to know that these are medications that often can cause or worsen confusion, especially in people with memory problems or Alzheimer's disease. So it's nice to identify these in older adults because there's often a double benefit. We can potentially reduce the risk of memory problems and of falls by identifying and minimizing these medications. And so in a moment, I'll go over the more common categories of these medications to look out for. The other type, uh, broad category, I should say, of medication that the CDC recommends physicians reassess is medications that affect blood pressure. So these are drugs that can cause or worsen a sudden fall in blood pressure. And a drop in blood pressure or potentially chronically low blood pressure can increase fall risk. It's quite common as people get older for them to become um, vulnerable to experiencing a drop in blood pressure when they stand. This is called postural or orthostatic hypotension. 
And this may be associated with an increased risk of falls. So most medications that are prescribed for high blood pressure can cause or worsen this type of postural hypotension. And then there are also other medications that aren't prescribed for high blood pressure per se, but they do affect blood pressure. Probably the most commonly used uh, medication of this type would be a certain type of medication that's prescribed to men with enlarged prostates. It's designed to help relax the urethra so that they can urinate more effectively, but those medications also relax your blood vessels. And so they are known to cause or worsen postural hypotension. And if you're wondering what postural hypotension has to do with falls, well, when an older person is standing and their blood pressure drops or is low, they can easily feel lightheaded or dizzy or weak, and that can predispose people to a fall or possibly even cause a fall. And then I'm going to bring up a third category of medication. It's not always mentioned in resources on medications associated with falls, but I consider it important. And that's medications that lower blood sugar. So this is only a consideration for people, uh, for older adults who have been diagnosed with diabetes. But diabetes is quite common in seniors, an estimated 25% of people over age 65 have diabetes. And we know that people with diabetes have a higher risk of falls overall than other people of the same age. There are many reasons for this. Diabetes affects the nerves, affects the reflexes, can affect your eyesight. But low blood sugar, which can be caused by diabetes medications, is also known to be a factor in falls. For these reasons, when I'm reviewing medications with an eye towards what might be increasing or contributing to fall risk, I do pay attention to medications that can lower blood sugar. Now that I've shared with you those three broad categories of medications that clinicians are supposed to consider when it comes to fall prevention, let me name the 10 categories of medications that you may want to discuss with the doctor in detail. And I'm going to start with seven types of medication that are all in the category of psychoactive, so medications that affect the brain. So number one is benzodiazepines. So I've mentioned this class of medications in other podcast uh, episodes. It's a class of medication that geriatricians, in a way, love to hate. But this is the class of medication that is often prescribed to help people sleep or to help with anxiety. The most commonly prescribed benzodiazepines include lorazepam, diazepam, temazepam, and alprazolam. The brand names for those are Ativan, Valium, Restoril, and Xanax, respectively. And they do work well for sleep and also to relieve anxiety, but they're habit-forming and they have been associated with developing dementia. They also have been quite strongly associated with an increased risk of falls. Clinical research studies have documented this repeatedly. So if you or your older relative are taking benzodiazepines and you've been concerned about falls, this is definitely a type of medication that is worth uh, reconsidering to see if a safer alternative might be possible or if at least it's possible to reduce the dose. But note that this is a type of medication that can be very dangerous to stop suddenly, and so these drugs should always be tapered under medical supervision. Next type of medication to keep in mind for fall risk reduction, number two is non-benzodiazepine prescription sedatives. 
So these are the other drugs that are often prescribed to treat insomnia or sleep difficulties. In the United States, the best known one is probably Zolpidem. The brand name is Ambien. And these have been shown in clinical studies to impair balance, even in younger people. They also can cloud the thinking. A third type of medication to look out for if you're concerned about falls would be antipsychotics. So these are medications originally developed to treat schizophrenia and other illnesses that feature psychosis symptoms. And they are often also prescribed to control difficult behaviors in Alzheimer's and other dementias. This is actually not ideal. You can learn more about why prescribing antipsychotics is often problematic in episode 30, which covered drugs for difficult dementia behaviors. Antipsychotics are also sometimes prescribed to people with severe depression. Commonly prescribed antipsychotics are usually what we call second generation. They include risperidone, catiapine, olanzapine, and aripiprazole. The brand names for those are Risperdal, Seroquel, Zyprexa, and Abilify, respectively. And then there is an uh, older type of antipsychotic, so we call that a first-generation antipsychotic called Haloperidol. The brand name is Haldol, and that's also still sometimes used. And clinical research has found that using antipsychotics is associated with increased falls, and then they also are associated with earlier death. Next type of medication to look out for if you're concerned about falls are the ones of the category anticonvulsants and mood stabilizers. So these are drugs that usually were originally developed to treat seizures. They basically reduce the excitability of your brain cells. So they've also often been shown to be effective to stabilize mood in conditions such as bipolar disorder. They are also used sometimes to treat difficult dementia behaviors. Again, this is a case where often it's inappropriate or seems that it may not be the best choice for that person with dementia, but often used. And then these medications are also sometimes used to treat chronic nerve pain. The medication of this type that I see most often used by older people is valproic acid. The brand name is Depakote. So there is clinical research suggesting that anticonvulsants are associated with increased fall risk, and they also tend to have other problematic side effects in older adults. Now, there is one newer anti-seizure medication that came into fairly wide use among older adults about 10, 15 years ago. It's called gabapentin. The brand name is Neurontin, and this medication was heavily marketed by the manufacturer for nerve pain and other pains, among uh, other things. It does seem that it has less uh, side effects than some of the other seizure medications, and there is some research suggesting that it may not affect balance as much as other anticonvulsants. Now, also, the research that it truly helps with nerve pain and the other conditions it was marketed for is so-so, so it may not be a very useful medication, but it's not clear that it increases the risk of falls as much as some of the other medications that I am mentioning today. Next category of psychoactive medications to consider if you want to reduce falls is antidepressants. Now, this one is often surprising 
not only to patients and the general public, but actually to a fair number of clinicians, because we do use antidepressants quite widely. So these are medications prescribed to treat depression, but they can also sometimes be prescribed for general anxiety disorders. And nowadays, the most widely prescribed class of these medications are called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That's SSRIs for short. And this includes medications like fluoxetine, the brand name Prozac. That was the first one that came out, uh, I believe, in the 90s and really changed the way doctors were treating depression. And then other commonly used SSRIs include sertraline, citalopram, escitalopram, and paroxetine. And the brand names for those are Zoloft, Celexa, Lexapro, and Paxil. Now, there's another category of older depression drugs, which are called tricyclic antidepressants. They include the medications amitriptyline and nortriptyline. The brand names are Elevil and Pamelor. And tricyclic antidepressants are anticholinergic. I'm going to say a little bit more about that category of medications a little later, but I've brought it up in many Better Health While Aging articles and some of the podcast episodes. But anticholinergics in general cloud the thinking. And so for a long time, clinicians who thought about the risk to older adults assumed that tricyclic antidepressants were problematic because they were visibly sedating. But the assumption was that the newer category of SSRI antidepressants, such as Prozac and Zoloft and Celexa, were going to be safer and less of a risk for falls. But To the surprise of many people, that is not what the research has shown. The research actually generally shows that the risk of falls on an antidepressant seems to be about the same, whether older people use the newer SSRI antidepressant or an older tricyclic type antidepressant. Now, it's not clear that these antidepressants increase the risk of falls as much as benzodiazepines or other sedatives or antipsychotics do, but it still seems to be a real effect. And so that's worth keeping in mind as we try to determine whether it's worthwhile for an older person to start or continue on one of these depression medications. There are also a number of other medications being used as antidepressants. I won't review all the names um, right now, but they're in the linked article if you want to check and see. So next category of psychoactive medication to consider reviewing is opioid analgesics. These are also called narcotics sometimes. And these are medications that are used mainly for the treatment of pain. So commonly used opioids include codeine, which is included in Tylenol number three, and in certain prescription cough syrups, also hydrocodone, which is one of the main ingredients in Vicodin, oxycodone, which is included in Percocet and Oxycontin, and then morphine, fentanyl, and methadone. Opioids do often cause drowsiness and other side effects. And so the CDC and some other expert groups recommend that they be assessed as part of a medication review for fall prevention. That said, the clinical research on the association between opioids and increased fall risk in older adults has actually shown mixed results. And a 2009 meta-analysis of medications and fall risk did not find that they were associated with increased fall risk. I think it's still reasonable to reassess and consider them, 
but you should know that the evidence for them being associated with increased fall risk is less strong than for some of the previous categories of medication that I mentioned. So the next and final category of psychoactive medications to review and reassess if you're concerned about falls is anticholinergics. So this group covers most over-the-counter sleeping aids as well as a variety of other prescription drugs. These are medications that have the chemical property of blocking the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. Just as a reminder, a medication meant to improve memory and thinking in Alzheimer's patients, such as donepezil, brand name Aricept, is designed to increase the amount of acetylcholine effective in the brain, whereas anticholinergic drugs often have the opposite effect. So they do tend to make people, they can make people a little sedated or drowsy. And there's really a quite long list of medications in several categories that have strong anticholinergic activity. In the show notes, I'll post a link to a really nice resource that uh, lists just about all the medications that are anticholinergic and also distinguishes between whether they are strongly anticholinergic or weakly. You mostly want to worry about the ones that are strongly anticholinergic. And these are medications that are definitely worth avoiding if you've had any concerns about memory or thinking because uh, they have been associated with developing dementia or other cognitive problems. So briefly, this includes medications such as sedating antihistamines like diphenhydramine, the brand name is Benadryl, and that's a medication that's available over-the-counter. The PM versions of over-the-counter analgesics such as NyQuil or Tylenol PM are also worth looking out for because the PM ingredient is usually a sedating antihistamine such as Benadryl. Medications for overactive bladder, such as bladder relaxants, oxybutynin, and tolteridine, the brand name Ditropan and Detrol, are quite anticholinergic. Medications for vertigo, motion sickness, or nausea. I come across quite a number of older people who are taking meclizine, which is sometimes called antivert because they've had some benign vertigo in the past, and that's actually quite anticholinergic. Oral medications for itching, such as hydroxyzine, which the brand name is Visteril. Uh, muscle relaxants, which are sometimes prescribed for back pain, such as cyclobenzaprine. The brand name is Flexeril. And then the tricyclic antidepressants are anticholinergic. And there's just one SSRI, which is known to be particularly anticholinergic, and that is paroxetine, brand name Paxil. So because these aren't great for brain function, we generally try to reassess and minimize them in geriatrics. Now, the question of how associated they are with falls is actually a little bit more debatable. The research on anticholinergics and fall risk is mixed, and a recent clinical study found that the association is not statistically significant. Still, given that they make older people drowsy and they do definitely affect cognitive function, I think it's worth reassessing them, but you should know that if you're trying to reduce the risk of falls, it's probably more important to focus on the benzodiazepines, the sedatives, and the antipsychotics, and possibly also the antidepressants. So let me now move on to an entirely different category of medication to look out for, and that is medications that affect blood pressure. Most of these will be classified as antihypertensive, so they are medications that are being prescribed specifically to reduce blood pressure. There are many, many medications that fall into this category. They're actually subdivided into a wide variety of sub 
categories. And so I'm not going to list them all right now, but I will provide a link in the show notes to an online resource that uh, lists and classifies different types of blood pressure medication. And otherwise, people often know if they're taking something that's either for their heart or for their blood pressure. So if you see a medication on your list that's for that purpose, then that's something that might be worth reassessing and reconsidering if you've been concerned about falls. And again, the goal here would be to think about whether it's possible that the blood pressure is too low or that maybe the dose is higher than it needs to be. Now, although I personally always make an effort to check an older person's blood pressure and their medications and also check their blood pressure when they stand up to see if they're experiencing a drop, I will admit that the clinical research on blood pressure medications and falls is mixed. There have been some studies that have found that there's an association between blood pressure medication and falls or hip fractures. There was one study that found that people had a higher risk of hip fracture within a certain period of time after they started a blood pressure medication. There was another study that I wrote an article about for the site that found that blood pressure medications were associated with injurious falls, falls that broke bones and hips and um, and even uh, skulls in some cases. But then other studies have found that there seems to be no association between blood pressure medication and falls. So the scientific jury is still out on this topic. Despite this, I feel that it's still a good idea to generally attempt to be on the lowest doses of medication that are absolutely necessary. So if you have high blood pressure or you're otherwise taking medications that affect blood pressure or the heart, and that includes, by the way, diuretics, which are sometimes prescribed to control high blood pressure, but are sometimes prescribed for other purposes, such as kidney problems. Uh, if you are taking any of those medications, I think it's a good idea to just have it reassessed and to determine what is uh, what your goal blood pressure should be and what are the lowest doses that will keep you in a range where you're likely to have the most benefit. And if you want a little bit more information about how to work through, how you might work through that process with your clinician, I'll link to an article um, on the site, which is called Six Steps to Better High Blood Pressure Treatment in Older Adults. And then, as I mentioned earlier, aside from medications that are explicitly prescribed to lower blood pressure or to otherwise optimize cardiovascular function, there are some other medications that affect blood pressure, even though that's not the intended purpose of prescribing them. And the main one I'm going to point out to you today is the category called, um, technically called alpha blockers. And they're a class of medications that is now mainly used to help men with benign prostatic hypertrophy. So that's sometimes abbreviated as BPH. That's the very common condition in older men when the prostate gets bigger and kind of squeezes down on the urethra. The urethra is the passageway from your bladder to the outside of your body. And so when the prostate gets big and squeezes down on it, many older men start to have some difficulty uh, urinating. And so there's a class of medications that has been found to relax the urethra, and it does help urination in many men. The most commonly prescribed medication for this is called Tamsulosin. The brand name is Flomax. And then there are some older medications of this type, such as Terazosin, Doxazosin, and Prazosin. And the brand name for those is Hytrin, Cardura, and Minipress. 
These have been shown in clinical research to be associated with one, the orthostatic blood pressure change, and two, with a higher risk of falls and fractures in older men. So if you're taking one of these medications and you've been concerned about falls, you don't necessarily have to stop, but it is one of those medications that should be reassessed. And towards the end of this episode, I'll go into a little bit more detail about what should happen during that process of medication reassessment. Now I'm just going to cover the very last, this is the 10th category of medication that is worth reviewing if you've been concerned about falls, and that is medications that lower blood sugar. Again, this is just for people who have been diagnosed with diabetes. So many older adults, although not all, but many people with uh, older people with diabetes are taking medications to keep their blood sugar from getting too high. And so these medications act to lower blood sugar in most cases. And so it is possible that sometimes the person's blood sugar will drop too low. This is called hypoglycemia. And when this happens, people can feel weak or faint and they can fall. So if you'd like to see a list, uh, a fairly comprehensive list of oral and injectable medications used to treat diabetes, there is a link in the full online article that I have on the 10 types of medications to review with the doctor if you're concerned about falls. I will say that uh, one of the most commonly prescribed medications is called metformin. The brand name is glucophage. And this one is special. It's an older medication and it's unique in its class. And it's notable in that when it's used by itself, so not in combination with insulin or other medications, it actually causes a very minimal risk of hypoglycemia. That's because metformin doesn't so much lower your blood sugar, but more um, makes your body better able to respond to insulin. So if you're only taking metformin, if you have diabetes and you're taking metformin and no other medications to treat diabetes or lower your blood sugar, in those cases, the risk of hypoglycemia is actually quite low. And metformin otherwise has a good track record in uh, diabetes care. So I don't want people to worry too much if that's the only medication they're taking. But if you're taking metformin along with other medications or if you're taking insulin, then there is a risk of low blood sugar. And so if you've been having falls or have been concerned about falls, then it can be very useful to review your blood sugar um, log with the clinician to see if maybe to check and see if any adjustments might be worth making. Because we do know that it's not uncommon for older adults to be quite aggressively treated with diabetes medications to lower blood sugar, and, and that may not be the best choice. So now that I've covered these 10 types of medication that should be reviewed and reassessed if you've been concerned about falls, let's talk about what you can do in partnership with your clinicians if you or your older relative are on these medications. And I'm going to start by telling you what the CDC tells doctors to do about medications that have been linked to falls. They basically recommend an approach that involves stop, switch, and or reduce. So clinicians should stop the medication when possible. They should switch to safer alternatives if possible. And they should also attempt to reduce the medication to the lowest effective dose. As a patient or concerned family member, it's really important and helpful if you can actively participate in this process with your healthcare providers. So for every potentially risky medication that you're taking, 
here are the things that you'll want to know and that you'll want to potentially discuss with the doctor. Number one, you should try to clarify and be sure you're clear on what is the problem that this medication is meant to manage or treat. In some cases, people are taking a risky medication for some kind of symptomatic problem, and maybe the symptom has improved, or maybe it hasn't been checked on for a long time. So depression is one example. I often find that people have been on an antidepressant for years, and it's actually been quite a long time since anyone has assessed their symptoms and tried to see if it's possible to taper them off. Same thing goes with uh, incontinence. There are just a variety of symptomatic problems where the symptom uh, may have gotten better, or maybe the person's on the medication and the symptom didn't get better. And so it might be time to consider a change in medication or a change in the treatment program. You'll also want to know what other options are available to manage this problem. So again, many common problems have non-drug options that can treat the problem. For depression and anxiety, there are psychotherapies, including cognitive behavioral therapy, that can be quite effective. For incontinence, there are bladder training programs, and sometimes doing certain kinds of physical therapy or exercises can make a difference. For pain, there are a variety of non-drug methods that can also help make pain more manageable. So it's always essential to ask about other options, especially non-drug options, to see if implementing those might allow you to reduce or stop a medication that has been associated with fall risk. Another thing to ask about is to ask the doctor, well, what are the benefits of continuing the medication? And try to see if they can be quite specific. For medications that are prescribed to treat symptoms, you might be able to try a reduction in the medication and see if the symptoms get worse or if they're still manageable. For medications that are prescribed to reduce risk, you'll want the clinician to clarify, well, exactly how much of a risk can I expect from this medication? Because sometimes the reduction in risk is actually much smaller than people realize. Sometimes the best estimate is that you have a one in a hundred chance of avoiding a heart attack or a stroke or whatever it is from consistently taking the medication. It's important to have an awareness of that, and that way you can properly decide whether that reduction in risk, whether that type of benefit is worth whatever else might be the downsides of the medication. And then you always want to ask for one of these medications that's associated with fall risk. You always want to ask, is a lower dose of this medication an option, and what would be the pros and cons of trying a lower dose? Now, your health provider should be able to answer these questions for you, but it's often also a good idea to do a little research on your own for whatever condition you've been diagnosed with or are trying to treat. And I especially recommend learning about best practices for managing that condition and then possibly connecting with other people who have the same condition. Ask about alternatives, especially non-drug alternatives. Now, although these medications are associated with an increased risk of falls, that doesn't mean that it's never appropriate for an older person to be taking these medications. Sometimes, after we do a careful assessment of the likely benefits and the likely risks, we do come to the conclusion that continuing a risky medication is, in fact, worthwhile. But what we want is we want for these to be carefully considered decisions where not only has the doctor considered it carefully, 
but also the older person and their family have been informed of the risks and benefits and of the alternatives, and that everybody is proceeding from a place of um, carefully considered judgment instead of just reflex or continuing with what's been prescribed for a while or continuing down the path that was easiest for the doctor when the problem first came up a few years before. So if you've been concerned about falls for yourself or for someone else, I hope this list of medications that are worth reviewing will be helpful to you and will help you have some informative and thoughtful conversations with your clinicians. Remember, the goal is not to be on no medications at all, but it's to be careful and selective about your medications and just take the medications that you need and that are truly likely to provide more help than harm or risk. And so that's going to be it for the episode. But before I launch the closing music, I just want to say that if you've been concerned about falls and would like a little bit more help identifying your particular risk factors, including risky medications, I am planning to do some online workshops for the Better Health While Aging audience very soon that will go over falls in detail. So if you've had questions or concerns, this might be a good opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about what to bring up to the doctor. And if you'd like to learn more about those workshops, please visit the show notes page. I'll have a link to where you can learn more about when the next workshop will be held and how to register. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in the episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some of the links to some of the resources that I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes. And I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Carnison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.